This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. Welcome back. And I'm not just talking about you at home. I'm talking about our Rick Goslin. Hey, Ron, uh, Goose decided to show up this week. He came back to work with us. Prodigal son. There he is. Uh, he was out in California visiting the Dallas Cowboys. And Goose, you have a good time out there? No problems at all. I just try to stay as close to the ocean and as close to my cabana as possible. To <laughs> <laughs> just stay out of Des Bryant's way. Everybody steers clear of Des these days. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back, Goose. Teammates. Yeah, you're right. Good to have you back. Um, and actually, you and I are standing in the Hall of Fame as we speak. We're in Canton this week for the annual contributors meeting, which we'll talk about later. Ron was here two weeks earlier for the seniors meeting, and all of us were here a month ago for the Hall of Fame weekend, which is pretty good. And I hope this could be pretty good as well. But uh, that's a lot of Canton in one month, and I'll be honest, I do like the direction the Hall of Fame is going, not just for the weekend, but with these senior and contributor meetings. Well, I tell you, David Baker certainly is ambitious with his right. Legends Landing Project, maybe a wee bit too ambitious, but, but inside the hall, I also like the direction um, the hall's heading. And we finally have a contributor category. The senior category remains intact. You know, I thought the class of 2015 was a great class, and, and with Brett Favre in the queue, I expect the class of 2016 to be another great one if Ron can get his two seniors pushed through. Yeah, yeah that won't be easy. But someday, boys, we'll be sitting at Legends Landing, grueling <laughs> our bowls, mumbling to each other. There's never a guy who could throw it like Rogers, or run it like Peterson, or deflate it like Brady. Sorry, Clark. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're already there. <laughs> anyway, uh, the direction this show is going to go is back to the World League as our Out of Their League series continues. And we're going to have Calvin Hill, a former Yale star, an NFL star, a World League MVP Tony Adams, a tri-MVP, actually, and former World League GM and NFL GM Upton Bell as guests. We're also going to touch on the seniors and contributors meetings, hear why Fred Smurlis is caught in yet another Bermuda Triangle, and find out why Dr. Data is withdrawing yet another team. He's subtracting yet <laughs> another no franchise <laughs> from a Super Bowl list of invites. But first, let's get to what's happening around the league, guys, as we normally do. Our first stop, where else? Washington, D.C. Could you guys please explain the RG situation, RG3 situation to me? I mean, not only has he been benched, he's been benched for the entire season. Meaning, Derek, go ahead, strike up the band. There they are. The Kirk Cousin era starts. Just not enough former Spartans in this league, right, Ronnie? This is painful. Just to hear yeah. this is painful. Well, oh, Rick, uh, you want to tell me what's going on in Washington? Well, I saw it in the Cotton Bowl in January and again in our nation's capital in August. Michigan State thumps Baylor. It was Spartans <laughs> over the Bears in the Cotton Bowl. Kirk Gibson's <laughs> over RG3 in Redskins land. You know, RG3 doesn't fit the offense Jay Gruden wants to run. Gruden wants a pocket passer. Now, that's Cousins' forte. He's not a guy that has to move around to be effective. That's what RG3 has to do. He has to move, make plays on the run. Now, the key thing is if he gets hurt, 
he's going to get $16 million guaranteed in 2016. So my guess, he's going to spend the season in bubble wrap. Yeah, don't Cousins play him. Like don't he, get hurt. And Cousins is like going to spend the season on the seat of his pants. I think, firstly, that this is a, a sad story. Uh, you know, sometimes the guy just wears out his welcome. Uh, but I believe in this case, you know, when Mike Shanahan and Dr. James Andrews jammed Griffin back into that playoff game when he was dragging his leg behind him like Quasimodo, uh, you know, everything changed. And then they spent two weeks pointing fingers at each other about whose idea it was. And I just think by the time that was done, I don't think RG3 trusted anybody. Uh, I don't think he trusted his coach. I don't think he trusted his organization. And uh, the damage became irreversible. And I think when, when Gruden came in, his attitude was bad, uh, and not surprisingly so, and Gruden didn't help it. And now it's a mess. It, it, speaking of a mess, or actually wasn't a mess, but I want to ask you one other question. It has to do with the Super Bowl. They're moving media day from Tuesday to Monday night. What the heck is going on here, Goose? I mean, it once was a all-day affair. Now it's going to be a 8 o'clock Eastern affair. Clark, that day has gotten so bad for the media. I haven't gone in the last five years. So direct that one to Ron. Somebody who's been there. <laughs> I hope your bosses aren't listening to this. Yeah, they, me too. They ain't yet to go, but that's all right. I understand. Well, no, look, it, it, they're turning everything into a TV show. Anything and everything that that they can becomes a TV show, not a an event for us to work. Well, this isn't a TV show. It's a radio show with ads. We're going there right now. We have Calvin Hill in the house. When we return, we're going to talk to the former Dallas and, yes, Hawaiian star about the World League. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. The two for five dollar deal at Burger King just got hotter. That's right, we just spiced it up with the new extra long jalapeno cheeseburger. Feel the flame with two all beef patties side by side, stacked with fiery jalapenos. They're like little green firecrackers exploding in your mouth. Oh yeah, did we mention you can get two sandwiches at Burger King for just five bucks? But if that's too much fire for one mouth, you can mix and match with the Big King, Big Fish, or original chicken sandwich only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price of participation may vary. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. This week on Geico's Stuff Found in Your Car, we look inside your rear door pocket. Oh, hey. Yeah, me, the almond. Possibly one of the healthiest snacks, just rolling around in the crumbs of inferior foods. You were too busy to save me, but are you too busy to switch your car insurance to Geico where you could save hundreds of dollars in just 15 minutes? Probably not. Saving money with Geico is awesome. Almonds, on the other hand, are just a superfood. No big deal. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com today. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? Not all barbecues are the same. Not all guitar licks are the same. Not all motor oils are the same either. Valvoline Full Synthetic High Mileage with Max Life Technology actually is different. It's the superior protection of synthetic for cars over 75,000 miles. But don't just believe us. See for yourself at seeadifference.com. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. (laughs) 
Well, our first guest was one of the first players to give the World Football League credibility back in 1974. Calvin Hill was a former first-round draft pick, an NFL Rookie of the Year, a four-time Pro Bowl running back, a two-time All-Pro, and a Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. But in 1974, he left a starting spot in the Dallas backfield to sign with the Hawaiians of the fledgling World Football League. Unfortunately, his WFL career was short. He played only three games in 1975 before suffering a season-ending knee injury, then returned to the NFL with the Washington Redskins in 1976 after the WFL folded. Calvin Hill, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, that if we'd had as many people as Jerry had out in Oxnard, that'd be a chief over in Hawaii. <laughs> Calvin, why would a player leave the security of an NFL paycheck for a startup team and a startup league, even if the team was based in Hawaii? Well, you know, actually, you know, I was able, I tell people I only played three games, but I, I actually made more in terms of, you know, money in that one season with the WFL than I made in 12 years with the NFL. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, from a security standpoint, uh, they offered me a lot more financial security. You know, I tell people that when I went over and, and met with the people from the World League and then going to Hawaii, I was actually hoping to get some, you know, something started in Dallas. I was up. My contract was up in, in 70, after the 73 season. And um, they kept stalling. And I had had previously two, you know, pretty bitter contract episodes with Tex Schramm. And so, you know, I was just looking to try to get something going. And when I got there, you know, I was just shocked at what they offered. And, you know, really, without getting into the details, I, I was in Hawaii, couldn't believe, you know, what I was being offered, you know, a three-year contract and was all guaranteed. And, you know, I came back to my room and showed, showed a check to my wife and she looked at me and said, what is this? I said, well, it's a signing bonus. And she said, you know, are you kidding? And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to look at it and see if it's real. <laughs> and uh, after about 10 minutes in, a, you know, in, in the bathroom, just looking at, looking at this, this cashier's check, I called Roger and uh, you know, told him what had happened. He said, well, you ought to come back and, and counter, you know, tell the Cowboys and let the Cowboys give, them, give Tex a chance to counter. And when I got off the phone, I looked at my wife and he said, what did he say? I said, and I told her. And she smashed the check out of my hand, and she said, listen, she said, you know, you know Tex, and you know exactly what's going to happen. And she was right. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, I ended up signing. But, you know, essentially, I had had no intention of going any place except just to get a counter to get the Cowboys, you know, moving. But I think the reason I signed, it wasn't necessarily about the money. After my rookie year and then after my first contract was over, after my third year, I thought I was treated pretty shabbily by Tex. You know, I went from a guy who probably would have played for nothing. I mean, I was just so excited to be in the National Football League to being, you know, somewhat, I got a dash of cold water after my rookie year in terms of, you know, what, what can happen. So, you know, I, I probably emotionally was ready to, to leave and go someplace else, but I, didn't, I never thought it would happen the way it did. You signed, of course, that was a futures contract, as I recall, in 74, so... Uh, for the 75 season, so you had to go back to Dallas and play in 1974 with the Cowboys, uh, if I recall. 
uh, before changing leagues. How difficult was that sort of lame duck season, and how did your teammates look at you? It was difficult, and I got sued. You know, the Cowboys sued me. <laughs> um, they sued me and Craig Morton, and you know we had we had a whole bunch of guys, Rayfield and Jethro and and Pat Toomey and Craig Morton. I think D.D. Lewis signed. There were a bunch of guys who signed, but they sued Craig and, and, and me, and, and and that was really frightening. I had never been in a, in a courtroom, and I get a knock on the door one, one morning about 1 o'clock, and I open the door, and the guy says, are you Calvin Hill? And I said, yeah. He says, well, you've been served. And, uh, you know, so I, I got a, a glimpse of what it feels like to be sued, and, uh, you know, that played out. But as far as the football, I don't think, you know, I don't think any of the players, uh, I mean, some of them may, may have been upset about it, but, you know, I mean, I, I think the thing that made it tough that particular year was, you know, it was also a strike year. Uh, that was the first year that we, you know, no no freedom, no football. I still sure. have one of the T-shirts. 55% was, of the gross, sure. <laughs> yeah, and I was the player rep. So I offered to resign, and nobody seemed to want to take the post. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I had to, um, you know, I had to do that. And that, that was very difficult because, you know, back then it wasn't like it is now where it's automatic checkoff. You know, some guy, it was, a, a, Texas is a right-to-work state, and there were lots of guys who didn't want to pay their dues. And then, you know, I'm trying to convince them to strike and et cetera and trying to stay in shape. And, you know, but that was probably the most difficult thing of that year. You know, the football stuff, you know, once you got on the football field, that was like a relief from all the other stuff. We're with former Yale and NFL star Calvin Hill. And Calvin, speaking of difficult, do you remember the WFL had a rough go of it in its inaugural season? I think two of the 12 original teams folded, and the league champion Birmingham Americans had their uniforms and equipment seized by the government after the title game, I think it was to pay off debts anyway. Did you have any second thoughts about signing with the Hawaiians at that point? Well, you know, I signed a future contract, and, and and the way my contract was structured, it was guaranteed not by the league or by the team. It was I had what's called an irrevocable letter of credit, and that's you know I mean I found out that that's an instrument typically used in international trade, and the only condition I had on, on you know as far as the letter of credit w- was concerned was I had to make a demand for my money, and there was no other condition built into that that letter of credit, so. I didn't have to play, you know, it was it was designed that way so that if I went there and decided not to play, uh, it would be incumbent upon the team to sue me for the money. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was it was very interesting. The league folded that first year. And the second year, it was reconstituted as the, as the New League, Inc. And they bought all the assets and none of the liabilities of the, the old World Football League. And, you know, my only concern was, as they reconstituted themselves, you know, that they tried to you know, make me go to, you know, a smaller market. And, uh, you know, I was very concerned that they might do that, that Hawaii might, you know, might drop out. I was actually at the press conference at the Waldorf Astoria the next year when they announced the new league. Chris Hemeter took over. He became the commissioner. And I was actually in the meeting with uh, John Gilliam and uh, Ted Qualick, who were, you know, were also signed to go to Hawaii. And when Hemeter informed them that they were, you know, that I think Qualic was going to go to Philadelphia and John Gilliam was going to go to Chicago. And, you know, they were not too happy about that. But I was happy to be going to Hawaii. I was looking forward to 
to the opportunity to to live in Hawaii. As I look back on it, I'm I'm thankful uh, that I had an opportunity to to live there for a year and a half. And it really, you know, from an educational standpoint and in terms of a lot of things that have happened since, it it was an eye-opener and a a wonderful place to to spend a year and a half. So I had no regrets. You you played only three games, uh, but that third game was against one of the elite teams, the Southern California Sun. Uh, as I recall, and I was just wondering, you know, how competitive was the league in your mind, just in terms of football? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you know, it was not the National Football League, but you know, you had quite a few players, you know, who who were were, were really good players. And uh, I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty competitive league. I mean, you know, we didn't we didn't necessarily get a lot of fans, but you know, the football itself was pretty good. Now, you know, it was a it, it certainly was a difference in terms of. You know, I mean, we we typically dressed in the hotel and and walked to practice with our uniforms on, <laughs> uh, and we flew commercial. They weren't charters, but then you know, we also practiced in a place where it was right next to a beach. So as soon as practice was over, you you took your stuff off and and, and ran in and body surfed. So <laughs> you know, there, there was give and give and take, but it was competitive. I mean, it was very very competitive, and uh, you know, we ended up uh, I think from that Hawaiian team, you know, Lem Burnham, who ultimately went to Philadelphia, became a vice president of the National Football League. We probably had five or six guys from that team who went on and played in the National Football League. But it was competitive. And, you know, it was the thing that was exciting is, you know, some of the relationships that formed with with some of those team members, you know, are as close as any relationships I've ever had in, in team sports. Calvin, I've got a question for you. We've got about a minute and a half left, but your son Grant is in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. And I'm wondering, did you encourage him to go basketball instead of football, or was that his choice? Well, that was that was his choice. You know, he wanted to play, and I took him to a Pop Warner uh, when he was eight or nine, and, and I didn't like the coach. The coach, you know, I think he thought he was the reincarnation of, of Bill Parcells or Vince Lombardi <laughs> or something. And, and I just said, you know, I'm not going to have my kid you know, coached by this guy. And I told Grant, I didn't start playing organized football until I was in the ninth grade. And, you know, I thought that he, I told him, I said, when you're in the ninth grade, you have my permission if you want to try out. An interesting story, he and I were playing tennis at the local high school. He was going into his eighth grade year. And by this time, he played. He played in, in the AAU uh, program, and so we're playing tennis. And the local high school is coming out for their first practice. It's in August, and it's hot. And uh, you know, we're outdoors playing tennis. And I look at the team coming out, and I say, "Well, Grant, that'll be you next year. You know, trying out for the freshman team or the JV or the varsity." And he looked at me and he said, "Dad, he said, you think I want to have all that equipment on in this kind of weather on that hard field?" And then he pointed towards the gym. He said, next year I'm going to be in that air-conditioned building playing basketball. <laughs> and when, I, when, I, when we went back home, I told my wife, I told her that, I said, you know, Grant, that was my first inkling that he might go to college because he was certainly smarter than his old man. He <laughs> uh, made a pretty but, good know, choice. I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't keep him from playing. I didn't want him to... Uh, I wanted him to, you know, to do what he wanted to do, but I, I also was not anxious to, to turn him over. You know, I mean, it, it was fascinating that some of the kids, you know, eight and nine-year-old kids, were crying, and he was berating them. And I just said, "The heck with that! You know, this guy's not going to have, you know, anything to do with my kid." Hey, Calvin, 
Thanks for stopping by, and thank you for reliving the World Football League. And next time you're on, we're going to ask you about that 29-29 tie with Harvard. Oh, wait a minute. That was a crimson victory, right? Well, yeah. You know, Harvard wins 29-29. <laughs> right. Greatest headline ever. That's right. They, 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 you know, they took... They took addition. We took calculus at Yale. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Hey, thanks, Calvin. Okay, you guys take care. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. That was former NFL, WFL, and Yale star Calvin Hill. When we return, we'll talk about what made the WFL so compelling. This is the Talk of Fame Network. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online, you'll get an instant decision, and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to cabbage.com, that's cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. Since the dawn of time, people have loved combining things. Have a stick and a sharp rock? Yeah! Now it's an axe. Okay. Got steam in a boat? Uh Uh-huh. Hello, Steamboat. That's how we made the new Little Caesars box set. You get four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and ten pieces of Italian cheese bread with crazy sauce in the same box for just nine bucks. We think you'll agree it's the best combination ever. It is! The new box set only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations for a limited time plus tax. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Would you like a cleaning product that can be used in the garage, the laundry, and the kitchen? and safe space in your cabinet? Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Concentrated all-purpose Simple Green is the answer for versatile cleaning throughout your home and garage. I'm so certain you'll love Simple Green. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. To learn more, visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Talk of Fame is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC. We're also brought to you by GEICO. That's GEICO, where 50 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. Guys, we've heard plenty of details about the defunct WFL from former Hawaiians back and Yale running back Alvin Hill. But there's plenty more where that came from. Um, there are a lot of people out there, I think, who, A, haven't heard of the World League or World Football League, B, really don't care about it, and C, believe it didn't have an impact on pro football because it lasted so little. I mean, is it, what, a year and a half? Um, there wasn't much time. So... I think it did, and let's just start with some of the NFL stars like Calvin Hill or Ron's man crush, Ken Stabler, who, 
<laughs> who went on to play for the uh, WFL Goose. Uh, they were just two. There we there go. There we go. And, and that's for Daryl and Monica, too, who also went to the WFL, former Raiders star. Yeah, Clark, uh, there was there was money in the World League that wasn't available to the star players in the NFL, and, and greenbacks, as Ron knows, have always been a powerful lure. The Hall of Famers Larry Zonka, Paul Warfield, Rafael Wright, Curly Culp all signed up. So did LaMonica, Craig Morton, John Matusek, Ted Qualick, Bill Berge, Elsie Greenwood. But there was one problem. Most of those players signed future contracts. Yeah, right. So the first season, the World League 74, they were still committed to their NFL teams. And after one season, it was obvious that uh, the sleeve was not going to fly, so most of them stayed in the NFL. Well, Goose, you mentioned problems. Uh, we're going to have Upton Bell on here later to uh, lob some grenades at WFL founder and commissioner Gary Davidson, not to be confused with the quarterback and now commentator. But in a nutshell, Ron, why didn't this league make any ground where the NFL did? Or the well, AFL I, did? I, where the I, AFL I, did, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I think the times were different. For one thing, you know, there were only 12 NFL teams at a time when the AFL came along, so there were markets, fairly big markets, anxious to get a team, and they had deep-pocketed uh, owners, which they didn't really have. They had a lot of uh, uh, nouveau riche who were long on the nouveau and short on the riche, uh, and that really hurt the, the World Football League. They just didn't have enough money and enough guys who could withstand the number of years you have to to, uh, to do what the AFL did. Yeah, Ron, also there were too many no-names on rosters that first year. The name players were on their way in 75, but the league was taking on too much water. You know, the AFL signed big names in 1960, and they played right away. So did the USFL in 1983. The World League lacked the marquee names in that first make-or-break season. Goose, you know what I remember about the World League, though? It gave us a lot of stories. I mean, it didn't last a long time. As I said, like a season and a half, basically two years. But it did give us some sort of memorable stories. And I think about, because at that time, I think it was down in the Washington-Baltimore area, uh, the Washington franchise that became, okay, the Baltimore-Washington franchise that became the Virginia franchise. And that was in one year. Uh, you can take it from there, Goose, if you've got any favorite stories, we can talk about that team. I got a better one. The Detroit Wheels were the first team to go belly up. I was working in Detroit at the time. They had 32 owners, and none of them had deep pockets. You know, first off, the Wheels couldn't get a lease to play in downtown Detroit at Tiger Stadium, so they had to play almost an hour out of town at Eastern Michigan University, a small campus. You know, they were banking on ticket revenues to pay the bills, but when you lose your first 10 games... No one's buying tickets. <laughs> they, they, they even crossed the border and played a home game in London, Ontario to avoid their debtors before they finally <laughs> pulled the plug in the season after 14 games with a 1-13 record. One of the owners, by the way, was Motown's Marvin Gaye. Wow. Hey, Goose, the Detroit Wheels. Mitch Ryder wasn't the GM of that team, was he? <laughs> It'd have been better off if he was. Should have had, Mar <laughs> should have had Marvin Gaye as halftime entertainment. They'd have sold out every week. There he you go. He wanted to play for him. <laughs> hey, Ronnie, uh, he mentioned Detroit. I'll go to your backyard. Wheelhouse. <laughs> the Raiders. Uh, yes. th there's a great story I remember about John Matuzak. Matuz. That's right. <laughs> oh, jeez, I love that song. Love I can't get music. enough of that song. Anyway. Getting it's 90 degrees here, and I'm getting chills. <laughs> he defected from the Houston Oilers to the Houston Texans. That's right. The WFL team was called the Texans. And how his WFL contract was terminated, it was terminated in the middle of a game. Right. So go ahead and take it away from there, Ronnie, because I know you know the story. 
Yeah, well, Upton Bell told me the story because it was his quarterback that two sacked in his last official uh, play in the World League, crushed the quarterback, uh, jumped up and down, came to the sidelines, it was handed a uh, an injunction uh, on the sidelines saying, you are a Fineski because you have a contract. And, and twos being twos, started waving the legal papers <laughs> up toward the crowd, and the fans were cheering, and that was his official uh, final moment in the WFL, waving an injunction. <laughs> Uh, you know, but that sort of set it all for that league. It was a league full of guys waving injunctions. Geez, we're talking about injunctions today. We're talking about injunctions then. Legal process never ends. There was also, guys, there was there was imagination from this league. That's one thing I like about it, honestly. Um, they tried to lure Johnny Unitas out of retirement and Joe Namath out of retirement. Uh, the fact of the matter is Unitas couldn't play anymore, and actually neither could Namath. They didn't care because they just wanted name power. But they got name power with guys like Jim Kick. Larry Zonka and Paul, Warf- Paul Warfield, all of whom played for the same team, of course, was Miami Dolphins. And I think, Goose, I think that had an impact on what happened to Don Shula's Dolphins in there. Huge impact. You know, the Dolphins won four division titles, three AFC titles, and two Super Bowls with Zonka, Kick, and Warfield as the backbone of the offense from 70 to 70, 71 to 74. When they left, the Dolphins stopped winning division titles and stopped competing for championships for the duration of the decade. Well, that's true, and, and uh, you know, Upton Bell, of course, had had worked for uh, for Shula with the uh, with the Colts during their first two Super Bowl teams, and he was not happy with with Upton, even though it wasn't Upton's fault that the the Memphis Showboats or whatever they were uh, were were signing Southman. his the Southmen. <laughs> the Southmen. There we go. They're not that far south, Memphis, actually. So it should have been the Midmen, but they, you know. He looked up and his team was gone. It was offense, at least, was gone. And uh, things were never the same for them. So they may not have survived, but they did kill at least one NFL franchise. Hey, Goose, quick one for you. I mean, as mismanaged as this league was, it did do some good. I mean, for one, it raised salaries in the NFL. And for another, it went into markets the NFL wouldn't touch, like Jacksonville, for instance. Well, they adopted the same start philosophy as the AFL. They went to uh, you know, tap football-hungry markets. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Memphis, Birmingham, Portland, Charlotte. Orlando, Honolulu, but there just wasn't enough money to sustain it in those markets. We talk about the legacy of the WFL, but one guy who doesn't have to worry about a legacy is our Hall of Fame physician. He's back with us, Dr. Data, a.k.a. Rick Gosselin. Goose, you're here to scratch off another city from the Super Bowl list. We'll have to let the people in Las Vegas know that. Let's see, you've already told the fans of the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Texans are not going to the Super Bowl, so who's next? Well, you can scratch off the San Francisco 49ers, and that is irregardless of the fact the 49ers have been gutted this offseason, losing 11 starters off a team that has gone to the NFC title game twice in the last three years. And, oh, yeah, the head coach has gone too. <laughs> but even if the 49ers returned with their lineup and head coach intact, they'd have no shot at the Super Bowl because the game was being played in their home stadium. There have been 43 Super Bowls played in NFL stadiums, and not a single team achieved the ultimate goal of a home field in the Super Bowl. In fact, of the 43 teams that had the chance to play a home game in the Super Bowl, only six managed to qualify for the playoffs. And forget about the Super Bowl, none of those six even reached the conference title game. In the last 14 Super Bowls, only one team that called the whole stadium home, the 2014 Arizona Cardinals, qualified for the playoffs, and they were a first-round loser last season. There have been six Super Bowls played in non-NFL stadiums, five in Pasadena, 
and one in Palo Alto. The Rams reached the Super Bowl in Pasadena but lost, and the 49ers reached the Super Bowl in Palo Alto and won. But this year's game is in Santa Clara, not Palo Alto, so scratch the Niners from your list of contenders, that shrinking list of contenders. Wow. That's why nobody playing in the Super Bowl, the three of us. But I'm wondering, Goose, Dr. Data, is this a, in your opinion, a sort of home field disadvantage that uh, perhaps relates to pressure internally within a franchise to make the game because you're going to be it's going to be played in their stadium or is this simply one of your dr data statistical anomalies created by your own mind well look at all the great teams packers steelers patriots those teams don't get super bowls the game's been played for years tampa new orleans phoenix san diego not exactly your uh you're heavy hitters of the league. So you go for the good weather, you go to bad teams. Hey, Ron, did I hear you say Raiders? He said great teams. You say Raiders? Hey, Goose, We're talking, hey, what's the, what's about history, bro? Goose, just to follow up on that, I, I think you're absolutely on the right track. I mean, you look at the most Super Bowl games, Miami 10, New Orleans mm-hmm. 7, Tampa Bay 4, or Tampa 4, San Diego 3, and Phoenix 3. In the last 35 years, look at the number of Super Bowl victories those teams have had. Two. Two. Clark, you're talking to a guy who'd like to have the game in New Orleans every year. Are, are you advocating? <laughs> yeah, you right. Are you advocating more games in Jacksonville and Atlanta? What, what no. are you getting at? I'm advocating we go to commercial. That's what I'm advocating. <laughs> That's what Derek said. We got to run. When we return, we'll hear why former defensive lineman Fred Smurlet should be on the Hall of Fame radar, not in the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Fame game, the Hall of Fame radar. But he isn't. You're listening to the Talk of Fame. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. I don't like sit-down dinners, I don't go to sit-down strikes, I like standing room only, and I don't ride bikes. This Pretty Bad song is by a guy with pretty bad hemorrhoids. He needs Preparation H relief with the power of two. First, use fast-acting Preparation H medicated wipes, then longer-lasting Preparation H maximum strength cream. Let's sit together on the porch swing. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use as directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Hey, Flo here, and this is my impression of an easily overwhelmed person finding out about progressive service centers. A whole center devoted to helping me if I get into an accident? Oh, it's too much! You drop your car off, they manage repairs, and if you need a rental, they give you one on site? Holy baloney macaroni! What will they think of next? Taking the hassle out of making a claim. Now that's progressive. I forgot how to breathe! Does the air go in my nose and out my mouth or the other way around? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Service centers not available in all areas. You have a choice of repair facilities. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's WIX.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. 
Talk of Fame Network is brought to you each week by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Great products, great people, and great prices. And since we're on the subject of great, one of the great scouts of all time passed away this week, C.O. Bracato, who most people don't know about but should, passed away Tuesday at the age of 85. And Goose, I know this hits home because we're at the contributors meeting, and this guy really defined what a contributor was all about. Yeah, if uh, CO isn't the greatest scout who ever walked the face of the planet, he's somewhere in the top three. He invented many of the drills the league uses today to evaluate players. Foremost among them is a three-cone drill that measures agility and quickness. You know, there wasn't a player drafted by the Titans in the last quarter of a century that Bricado didn't first watch on tape and give his approval. And they've been one of the better drafting teams as it is. They, they found Blaine Bishop and Cortland Finnegan in the seventh round, Robert Smith in the sixth round, both Derek Mason and John Run in the fourth. The traditional second-day picks are what makes good drafts great, and they, the Titans can thank Seal Bracado for a lot of great drafts. Yeah, you know, and he was a great guy, uh, as you guys know, because you, you knew him as well. Uh, you know, he was America's house guest when he showed up at any college or, or around any group of scouts, you know. And, and I remember one time saying to him, uh, C.O., are you the greatest scout who ever lived? And he said, nope, right behind Tonto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was right. But he, he was, was close. Right. Yeah, he was right. That was a um, great guy and a great coach. And, and the master of the 40 time. You know, when all those guys would be looking over their shoulders, seeing what the other guy got, C.O. never looked at anybody because he knew he had it right. They're all looking at his watch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Well, anyway, losing C.O. Procato, a big loss for the Tennessee Titans the old Houston Oilers, and the NFL. Maybe one day, Goose, Ron, we'll find him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but for now, we're going to switch from condolences to congratulations, mostly because the schedule says we have to. Yep, Derek, thanks. Get the Spartans out of here. Crank up that marching band from Liverpool. Thank you very much. On Wednesday, September 2nd, four-time Super Bowl winner Terry Bradshaw turns 67. Eric Dickerson... Guy holds the league record for most yards rushing a season. He turns 55. And Max Zendejas of the Flying Zendejas Brothers turns 52. On Saturday, September 5th, Willie Galt, who helped organize the Super Bowl shuffle, turns 55. And wow. former San Francisco, New Orleans, and Washington quarterback Billy Kilmer. Hard to believe, Ron. He's catching up to you. He wow. turns 76. 76. And on Sunday... September 6th, yes, Yale's Rich Diana turns 55 and Harvard's John Dockery turns 71. Why did I mention them? Just thought I'd throw it in there because we had Calvin Hill here on earlier. So, Goose, <laughs> take it away. Speaking of former Cowboys, happy birthday to the number one Cowboys fan and Ron's favorite governor, Chris Christie. He turns <laughs> 52 on Sunday. Not sure that'll get him elected president, but it will get him into the Jerry Jones suite on game day. Number one Cowboys fan. I thought you were talking about yourself, Goose. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. My gosh. Well, on Thursday, longtime fan of the show, Boston gangster, Whitey Bulger turns 86 down at Coleman Prison in Sumterville, Florida, where he listens to us on the Stone-In app. You know, he's serving two life sentences plus five years, just on the outside chance he outlives them. Uh, because he was not a very nice person, but fan of the show. And he'll be uh, the subject of a new movie, Black Moss, with uh, Johnny Depp playing Whitey Bulger. Can't wait to see it. Ball. He's going to be great. Is he in a relation to Mark Bulger? <laughs> he could throw it better. 
Happy birthday, Whitey. And happy birthday, everyone. Uh, I know you get to a point, Ron, you know this, better than we do, where birthdays are the last thing you want to celebrate. But as a wise man once told me and probably told you, it beats the alternative. You're and right. speaking of wise men, we have Ron Borges here. Yes, Ron Borges to make the there Hall of go. Fame case for another worthy player who's on the outside looking in. And no, this time it's not an Oakland Raiders surprise, surprise. But it is someone who's been overlooked far too long. Ron, you want to tell us about Fred yes, Smurless? Bring some sanity to the show. Uh, <laughs> Things tend to disappear in the Bermuda Triangle, but nobody in Buffalo ever thought Fred Smurlis would vanish there, too. When Smurlis first arrived in Buffalo, along with a rookie inside linebacker Jim Hazlitt, joined a veteran inside linebacker Shane Nelson in 1979, uh, head coach Chuck Knox was one year into rebuilding the beleaguered Bills. He wanted to build a 3-4 defense that would dominate the middle, and in those three he had what became known as the Bermuda Triangle because running backs went in there and they never came out. After years of failure in Buffalo, that defense became a unit ranked first in 1980, 7th in 1981, 2nd in 1982, uh, after which Chuck Knox departed for Seattle after going 4-5 and five in the uh, strike-shortened 1982 season. Anchored by that defense, Knox's Bills had reached the postseason the previous two seasons, ending a playoff drought that dated back to the AFL days. The defensive anchor was Fred Smurlis, a five-time Pro Bowl nose tackle, three-time All-Pro, who revolutionized the position with an unusual combination of size, 300 pounds, and athleticism. He was a master of leverage, a trade he learned as a collegiate uh, heavyweight wrestler at Boston College, and he used that knowledge, speed, and strength to overpower centers and control the heart of the defense. Rival coaches used to uh, take game film of him and use it to train their own nose tackles. And at the height of his dominance, Smurlis was named one of the 200 greatest football players of all time by Pro Football Weekly, which in those days was considered the Bible of the sport. He became a full-time starter in his second year in 1980 went on to make the most consecutive starts by a nose tackle in NFL history, 110 straight games, including three playoff games. If part of ability is availability, Smurlis was without peer, starting every game for the Bills for 10 seasons before a feud with uh, then-head coach Marv Levy resulted in Levy leaving him unprotected on the famous Plan B free agent list. By then, he played 11 years and was damaged goods. Injuries limited him in his final playing days in San Francisco and with the Patriots, where he finished his career. But who knows what might have happened had Smurlis remained in Buffalo to anchor a defense that the year after he left went to the first of its four straight Super Bowls. Only two pure nose tackles, Bill Willis and Curly Culp, have gained admittance to the Hall. Smurlis was the most dominant player at that position in the 80s. His Hall of Fame credentials deserve to be debated, but they're lost in the Bermuda Triangle of that position. Ron, if he stays in Buffalo's whole career... Has he already been discussed by this committee? I think so. I think so because, you know, the eyes were on that team, four straight Super Bowls. And if he was in the middle where he should have been, uh, he might very well be in the Hall of Fame by now. That's the two minute warning. We should know that sound. That means this first hour is coming to a rapid close with the emphasis on rapid. So two minute drill. And I don't have to remind you guys how it's run. I do, however, I want to remind you that Derek the Quick Whistle is ready to blow a play dead and put you in the Bermuda Triangle if you take too long. So, Derek, let's get to it. Do the math, guys. More F-bombs on hard knocks or suspensions by ESPN? If you count the F-bombs after suspensions, it's ESPN going away. F-bombs by a hair, but only because ESPN does suspend for F-bombing. Judge David Doty wonders if Roger Goodell understands who's the CBA. Well, does he? 
what Goodell does understand is that the NFLPA gave him the power to arbitrate. He does. He just doesn't believe it matters. In three years, who are we talking about? Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston? Mariota. Winston has more talent, so is the young quarterback. He'll take more chances, make more mistakes. Mariota doesn't beat himself. It better be both of them, or Tennessee and Tampa are toast, just like the Redskins. We're starting a Hall of Fame for team mascots, guys. Who's your first inductee? Is this a trick question? Sparty, of course. <laughs> oh. Oh, 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 good, good Lord. Bring in the band. Bring in the band. Oh, this is painful, Clark. The all-time greatest uh, uh, logo is Pat Patriot, also the greatest team mascot. The only thing better than that is those guys in the end zone firing guns off every time the Patriots score. Homer. Where was that whistle? Seattle's first team offense has no TDs in its first three games. Should Seahawks fans be worried? The Colts went 0-4 in the preseason last year, won up in the AFC title game. To quote Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. You don't worry about scoring for real until you're playing for real. <laughs> what next for Trent Richardson? Tim Tebow's vacated seat on the SEC Network set. <laughs> Mason Tender. Frank Gore calls Andrew Luck, quote, a football god, unquote. What do you call him? A ringless quarterback. Lucky. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, Ronda Rousey, or Frank Clark? If it's third night, go with Frank Clark. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, dude just made $200 million to not get hit. What can Russell Wilson's recovery water do for me? It's too late, Clark. Way, way too late. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to get you over that Tom Brady suspension. No, it won't. What has more holes? Arizona's offensive line, the Giants secondary, or Sonny Corleone? I lean towards Sonny only because the guy who played him, James Conn, received a swimming scholarship to Michigan State. Oh, my oh, God. No. Oh, please, the agony. I had to agree with you, but Sonny Corleone got aerated. <laughs> if Donald Trump is a real candidate, what does that make the Tampa Bay Bucks? The Rick Perry of the NFC. Still lousy. Some things never change. That's the end of the that is the end of our first hour, but don't go anywhere. We have former world leaguers waiting to tell their stories in the second hour. Plus, you're going to hear about contributors and seniors going to the Hall of Fame. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. I've developed, launched, and marketed over 400 products. Applying for a traditional loan is frustrating. There's paperwork, references, tax forms. You wait weeks for an answer, and you may not get the funds. There's a new way to get funding without the hassle. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Here's how it works. Go to Cabbage.com, fill out the online application. It takes minutes to complete, and you'll get a decision with none of the waiting. You could have immediate access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No fees of any kind to set up your line, and you don't pay a cent until you take a loan. It's helpful for a business to have security and flexibility. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. It's provided funds to over 50,000 businesses and has been named one of Forbes' top 100 companies twice in a row. So check out Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE, the number one online provider of small business loans. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Welcome back to hour number two of the Talk of Fame. Next 60 minutes, we're going to hear from World League MVP Tony Adams, World League GM Upton Bell, 
an all-world league provocateur, Ron Borges. But for now, I'd like to... Did you like that, Ron? I did like that. Hey, at least from Jackson, we didn't hear the Michigan State band. That's a... (laughs) Plus, God right almighty. there. Lord. I think he gets residuals on that. You know, he they're must standing, get they're standing by in the hallway. <laughs> I bet they are. They should take those hats oh. off. Get them out of here. You gotta take those Listen, hats off. Derek, hey, get them out of here. I, I want to address. Him, I'm going to teach him to play the Raiders fight song. There we go. Now, <laughs> there, now okay. That's okay. Um, but uh, I don't want to talk about the Michigan State marching band or the Raiders fight song. I want to address the contributor and seniors committees mostly because that's been in the news the last couple of weeks, and we're on them, as well as the Board of Selectors, uh, the all 46 Board of Selectors. But it's, it's not the choices that I want to talk about, because I'm okay with those, but I, I'm baffled how a, a guy like Jerry Kramer, for instance, the only member of the 50th anniversary team who keeps getting snubbed, doesn't get in in, in a process, honestly, that really doesn't seem all that fair. So uh, let's just start with what we're doing, Goose, because we're here in Canton now. As I mentioned, we're two of the five members of a nine-member contributor committee that's here this week. Only five get to travel that nine, and only five get to vote here. So do the math. I know the voters are chosen randomly, and that's no problem, but do the math. And five, with that number of voters, all you have to do to carry the room is find three votes, and you're in. Yeah, we had nine at the inaugural meeting of the committee last year, right. and there was plenty of give and take on the slate of candidates before we cited on the two GMs, Bill Polian and Ron Wolf. But but we've been sending five to Canton for the senior committee for oh several years, several decades, in fact, and we've always come up with quality candidates. You know, you, you trust that the committee will do the right thing. You know, we have no other choice. This is the process. The hall is determined, and changes have always been very slow in coming with that group. You know, all 10 of the finalists are Hall of Fame worthy. You know, which one do we choose? There really isn't a bad choice. Yeah, no, that's right. Well, since you mentioned the process, Goose, with the seniors, Ron, I want to go to you because I spoke to you and Jeff Legwald last week about it, about the seniors committee, because both of you were in Canton two weeks ago, um, and you were two of the five voters to make it here, and you emerged with Ken Stabler and Dick Stanfeld, as we know, as the candidates. But had all nine members of the committee been present do you think you would have had at least one different candidate? I really don't because the, the room was pretty, uh, uh, not only was the room pretty unanimous, you know, they, they give us two consultants, and this year was Franco Harris and uh, Joel Bussert, your pal, uh, and they both gave Stabler and Stanfield fours, which is the highest uh, number they can give them, and didn't give that to, uh, you know, there were a lot of threes and three and a halfs, but uh, there were only really uh, a couple guys that they felt it was clear, and we feel the same way. You know, Stanfell, as you guys know, is coming back for a record third time. But I think the thing that, that people need to understand about him, is he's been brought back by three different groups of voters. It's not right. the same guys just being stubborn and bringing him back. You know, he's come back in, uh, you know, uh, in different decades. So, I mean, the, the fact is, if you talk to the people that, that are left who coached and played against Dick Stanfell, nobody doubts he belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's just guys in the room and never saw him. And have no clue who he is, or, uh, you know, that vote against him. So I think. Hey, Ron, uh, Ron, one quick question. Sure. When you showed up for the meeting, did you have a patch over your eye? <laughs> no, but I did have a gray helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ron, I, I think I asked you guys this this question last week, but you know, if 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 you bring back Sanfell a third time and a, and a second time within four years, I think it is. What does it say, though, about the guys that we've been talking about in the show, the guys who've been waiting decades, you know, an Eddie Metter, for instance, uh, a Johnny Robinson. Don't those guys deserve a chance to kind of get to the front of the pack at this, by this point? Well, they do. Uh, there's no question they do. But I think, again, it speaks to how 
sure the 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 uh, senior committee is the Dick Stanfield belongs in the Hall of Fame. Now, there'll be no more coming out after this. I mean, there's there's right. no right. question about it. It was in fact the bulk of the debate was just what you. Uh, the, the question you raised wasn't about whether or not he belongs to the Hall of Fame or should we br bring him back, and it was, you know, what's the fallout from bringing him again uh, as it relates to other players. But I think, uh, no disrespect to my fellow voters, as Parcells always used to say before he disrespected somebody, but just do the right thing, and we don't have to keep bringing these guys back. I mean, some guys, uh, I think it's it should be pretty clear, uh, belong in the Hall of Fame, and he's one of those guys, but people get hung up on things that don't matter anymore uh, because there's times have changed. The fact that he played six, seven years is not an issue because everybody played six or seven years in those days. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing to mention here, Ron, is I said that there are five guys here, but still, whatever we come out with as a recommendation, as you did, it still must pass the 46 selectors. So that's another another issue. I and mean, they cleared one hurdle, they have to clear another come right. the uh, end of the year. Anyway, uh, we're going to clear a hurdle here. We're going to a commercial. When we come back, we're going to be talking to one of the three World League MVPs in 1974, something you might need to know next time you play Trivial Pursuit or Jeopardy. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. The cheese is melty and the crust is crunchy. This combo's hot and ready for you. Just trust me. Get four slices of deep, deep dish plus one soda for just five bucks. Little Caesar's Hot and Ready Lunch Combo. Four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and a 20-ounce soda. Just five bucks. Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Not all barbecues are the same. Not all guitar licks are the same. Not all motor oils are the same either. Valvoline Full Synthetic High Mileage with Max Life Technology actually is different. It's the superior protection of synthetic for cars over 75,000 miles. But don't just believe us. See for yourself at seeadifference.com. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Our next guest is one of the tri-MVPs of the World Football League's only complete season. Tony Adams, quarterback, the Southern California Sun, and split the MVP award in 1974 with running backs Tommy Riemann of Florida and J.J. Jennings of Memphis. Tony set the 
WFL single season record with his 3,900 yards passing and 23 touchdowns, and he parlayed that success into an NFL contract with the Kansas City Chiefs, where he backed up Hall of Famer Len Dawson and wound up starting seven career games with the Chiefs over four seasons. Tony Adams, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hey, Tony, the Chargers selected you in the 14th round of the 73 draft. Why was the World Football League a better option for you than San Diego? Well, I think in my position, they had drafted Dan South in year. And um, and then being on the taxi squad, you know, you, you really don't have an opportunity to play. And what I saw was that uh, at least this gave me um, an opportunity to get in and play every day and improve the skills at a higher level than college. And it was a much higher level than college football. And um, so I, I took advantage of it and just um, – Signed up and, you know, I entertained the opportunity of being the starting quarterback and end up being that, and uh, things couldn't have worked out any better. It really did give me the opportunity to play, and that's, that's what you needed. You need to play. You need to be able to showcase what you can and can't do, and that's what the uh, World Football allowed me to do. Now, two of the uh, 12 teams, Tony, as you know, folded during the, the first season. Two others relocated, and a number of teams had trouble meeting payroll and uh, paying the laundry bill and all of that. During that, when all that's going on, uh, did you ever start to doubt your decision to play in that league during that 1974 season? You know, not really. Um, you know, we did have a little bit of an issue occasionally, but uh, one of the owners, you know, drew me aside, took me into his room and said, here, here are my financials. And he showed me all the money that he made and all the money he had in his account. That I'm going to be able to make the payroll. Don't worry about it. So, you know, I kept getting reassurances that, you know, we weren't going to be one of those teams. But, you know, in the long run, we did have a little bit of an issue in, the, in our last game. But the game was over and everybody got paid. And um, I really never regretted it. Matter of fact, I looked at it as really the best opportunity for me to make the move back to the NFL. We're with former WFL MVP Tony Adams. And Tony, when Ron was asking about teams that struggled, the Suns' own financial difficulties probably cost them, your team, a shot at the one and only World Bowl. Uh, I think even though you won the Western Division with a 13-7 record, you lost in the opening round of the playoffs, and that was at home to the underdog Hawaiians. That would be Calvin Hill's Hawaiians, and we had Calvin Hill on earlier. But there was a bit of surprise, it seemed to me, when you, or for you, when you showed up at the stadium for that game, and you want to take it from there? Yeah, we um, we had three high draft choices from that year in the NFL. Uh, Kermit Johnson, Kermit Alexander, and Booker Brown uh, from USC and UCLA. And we're getting closer and closer to going on the field the pregame, and none of those guys showed up. And they obviously were our two starting running backs and our starting tackle. And as the game progressed, they never showed up, and we went into the game with you know, a lot of our offense and a lot of our protection was um, not available, and, and it did hurt us and didn't cost us the game. So we, we had a chance to move on. Uh, we had a good enough team that we could have advanced, but uh, without three of the key members of your offense, it, it was tough to uh, to make the next step and get into, get into the World Bowl. Where'd they go? You have a fine <laughs> yeah, good question. Where were they? Good question. Where were they? I have a feeling. 
I have a feeling you were somewhere watching the game saying, see what I mean? You guys needed a <laughs> But, you know, it's, uh, it was unfortunate. Um, they did what they thought they had to do uh, based on the fact that they hadn't been paid um, their money and um, ended up, you know, costing the rest of the team. But, you know, they did what they felt they had to do. And, you know, with the circumstances of some of the other teams, you know, I don't know that I can blame them, but um, – for a lot of us, it was an opportunity to, you know, play in advance and get into the World Bowl, and it just it didn't happen. Tony, I want to ask you one other question. Because of all the cash sure. problems that first season, yeah. I remember the players adopted a sort of show-me-the-money attitude, and it seemed to me mm-hmm. that carried over to the MVP award. Uh, even though you didn't play in the World Bowl, you were there for it. Can you tell us about the MVP ceremony? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I was actually driving from uh, Utah, where, Logan, Utah, where I went to college and, and back to Southern California where my family was from. And I got a call and said, hey, guess what? You're one of the three MVPs. I said, three. He said, yeah, there were three MVPs, and we want you to come to the World Bowl. So I had to drive back up to Salt Lake City and catch a plane and flew down to Birmingham and uh, – kind of told me what was going to happen at halftime. They were going to take you out on the field because the other two players were actually in the game. And they're going to bring out like a uh, Brinks truck and hand you $10,000 cash. I said, really? What am I supposed to do at that point? They said, well, we just want want everybody to see that this league is fluid and there's money and we're going to pay you in cash. I said, well, that's interesting. So what? Let's go ahead. And sure enough, halftime, I go out to the center of the field, and here comes the Brinks truck, and uh, they pull out this big bag of cash. And the, the World League MVP trophy was about six foot tall. And <laughs> it was on a big platform. I mean, they really wanted to showcase the fact that, that the World Football League was here, and we we're going to really acknowledge our top players. And, and here's this money and here's this trophy which I'm not sure where it is but I think somebody knows where it is. Now uh, I know why your and, three teammates weren't paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, they had to spend it all on the trophy. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but that that was the ceremony and, and um, you know, it was one of those things that uh, you look back on it, it was, it was needed at the time because they televised it and you know, uh, I, I understand what they did and, and the reason behind the cash, but, you know, when I got back uh, to uh, Anaheim, uh, a lot of the players that I ran around with, they said, now, how do we split this? Because I got $3,333, and there's, you know, I said, there's 35 of us. I'm not sure how that's going to break down. But we, um, it, it, that was the, a unique moment in the World Football League, I'm sure. Uh, so many of the name NFL players signed were future contracts, you know, Stabler and, mm-hmm. and uh, Larry Zonk and Warfield and those guys. Calvin uh, Hill, too. Uh, Calvin Hill, of course. I'm just saying, how competitive in your mind was the WFL that first season uh, without them? And, and would that league have maybe had a fighting chance had all those NFL stars jumped and come into the league? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I've been asked that question several times, and, and the league was extremely competitive. There were a lot of NFL guys already in the league that first year. And, I mean, we had several on our team that had played 
seven, eight, nine years in the NFL and still could play, very competitive. And I'll tell you, that league would have survived. It would have merged with the NFL at some point in time if they'd have done a couple things. Limit to about eight solid financial teams played, you know, 14 regular season games and two playoffs in the World Bowl, and, and that league would have succeeded because of 20 regular season games. Guys were beat up. They were having to bring guys in because the league uh, season was so long, and they were having to fly all over the place. And, and that's where the big expense is. And and having a team, if they would have limited the teams and limited the games, that that league would have succeeded. It was there was that many good players, um, and it's just too bad because they they had this vision of grandeur that they're going to bring in all these teams and play 20 regular season games. Well. When you're playing a regular season game, the intensity is a lot different than a preseason game because every game counts, and and it just took a toll on a lot of players. I mean, there were players that were out, you know, a lot of players out for the season. They were having to pay, and it just I think that was the biggest issue as to why that league did not succeed. We're with former WFL MVP Tony Adams, and Tony, since you mentioned that uh, 20 game schedule. I'll ask you the obvious question. How much of a grind was that? Because the NFL is talking about an 18-game schedule. So how much of a grind was 20? Right. It's a lot. Like I said, you know, when every game counts, you, you, the intensity of that game is a lot more than when you go play a preseason game and the starters play a quarter, and then they play a quarter and a half, uh, and then, they, then they'll play maybe uh, uh, two, two quarters, and then they don't play at all on the fourth game. So they're kind of resting everybody up to get through the regular season because they know how uh, important a regular season win is. And when you're only playing 16 games, and in our case we played 20, um, and we didn't know how things were going to work out. I don't know that we as players understood that a lot of these teams were underfinanced and they, you know, they couldn't play and pay their laundry bills, which happened to us. We had to delay the start of a game because – the Detroit team hadn't paid their laundry bill and they didn't have their uniforms. So, we, I mean, we had a lot of those types of experiences that went on. But when you look back at them, there really are those stories that make the WFL kind of unique. Is, uh, there were solid teams, there were good teams, a lot of good players, and there were some teams that were so underfinanced. And the stories those guys told us were incredible. You know, show up and you know, there wasn't any football to practice with because uh, <laughs> they hadn't paid their, you know, their bills. And, and, but in the long run, for a lot of players, it was a, it was a great stepping stone to the NFL, and a lot of players came out of that league. There were young players that weren't drafted or were drafted, and they demonstrated that they could play to the next level and played uh, fairly long careers in the NFL. So I think a 20-game or an 18-game schedule it's just a little too much. I think 16 is good where they have it. I think limiting it to two preseason games is what they should do. And then they have kind of, you know, like these practice days where they'll, two teams will travel and practice against each other. And I think that's what the league really needs um, to cut down on these potential injuries and lose key players in games that really have zero meaning. Hey, Tony, one, one last question, a quick question. How much fun was it playing in that league? It was incredibly fun. I mean, 
Um, the stories are one thing, but the, you know the, all the players are on those teams. We all kind of had a similar background, and and so we were all trying to make a name for ourselves to move on uh, or back to the NFL. This yeah. has been fu- this has been fun for us. Th- thanks so much for stopping by, and thanks Tony, well, for talking thanks for WFL me. with us. Yeah, it brings back a lot of great memories. Thanks, thanks Tony. guys. Thanks, okay. Tony. Uh, you bet. That Thank was you. former WFL quarterback Tony Adams. When we return, we'll sit down with former NFL and WFL executive Upton Bell. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. The two for five dollar deal at Burger King just got hotter. That's right, we just spiced it up with the new extra long jalapeno cheeseburger. Feel the flame with two all beef patties side by side, stacked with fiery jalapenos. They're like little green firecrackers exploding in your mouth. Oh yeah, did we mention you can get two sandwiches at Burger King for just five bucks? But if that's too much fire for one mouth, you can mix and match with the Big King, Big Fish, or Original Chicken Sandwich. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price of participation may vary. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Baseball fans, be the MVP at Luxor Las Vegas. Get your Lux on at all-star shows, including Fantasy, the Strip's sexiest adult review, Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil, and Carrot Top. Hit a home run with Mexican flavors that rock from TNT Tacos and Tequila or cool brews and comfort food at Public House. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest dance music from resident DJs and live entertainment in a high-energy atmosphere. To capture the biggest plays of the season, visit Luxor.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Simple Green. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green. Simple Green. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Well, our next guest, Upton Bell, knows about winners. He spent his entire life, basically, in professional football, the son of perhaps the most powerful commissioner in NFL history, Burt Bell. He grew up summering at NFL training camps as his father visited them. Straight out of college, he went to work for the Baltimore Colts for $65 and became first a scout and then the personnel director for those Don Shula teams that twice went to the Super Bowl. And at the age of 33, he became the youngest GM in the NFL with the New England Patriots and reversed a 2-12 and team to 6-8 and in his first year. Unfortunately, he was fired in dispute over his authority after two years, and so... Well, 1974, he bought the financially strapped New York Stars, eventually moving them to Charlotte, where co-owner was none other than Arnold Palmer. He would run that team until the league folded, selling more tickets in four games there than the New York Stars had done in seven. Upton Bell, welcome to this show. Thank you, and I wonder why they didn't save the franchise for me instead of Jerry Richardson. (laughs) We'll have to ask Jerry if we get him on. (laughs) I could have really done a good job for them. 
<laughs> hey, Upton, quick question here. First one, right out of the box. Why is the 35-year-old NFL GM leave for the WFL? Oh, for a couple of reasons. One, as Ron knows, not today, but in those days, uh, you could be blackballed. And uh, I, I know that's a tough term to use, but uh, I got in such a fight with Billy Sullivan that I was interviewed for two general manager's jobs, one being the Cardinals, right after I was fired, but he kind of put the word out. And in those days, you know, where you had less teams and, and the owners more together than they ever are today, it, it was very, very difficult. And I, I just saw a situation. I wasn't interested in going back and being a scout. I wanted to continue on with my education, and why not lose all my money in a new league? So, <laughs> uh, which which I proceeded to do. But but I I will tell you that I was always interested in eventually becoming an owner, and uh, I I saw the situation after one attempt to buy a team with a group of owners, actually Edsel Ford, and I had put together a group to buy the franchise in Tampa, but his lawyer stupidly talked him out of it because he said they'd never get an increase in television money. I hope they <laughs> fired the lawyer. But, but then I, I, I just thought that there was, there was no possibility in the NFL. And I saw, here's an opportunity to start with a new league. Even, even if it didn't make it, the whole idea that it was an opportunity to look at a situation, to run your own team, to be somewhat in charge of your own destiny because it's Ron immortally declared there are only two classes of people in the NFL. That's the owners and the rest of us are renters. <laughs> so I wanted to be an owner and see what it was like. And I found out what it was like. And I will tell you to this day, I lost all my money, but it was the best two years I ever spent. In your league, you played a 20-game season in 1974 in 19 weeks with games on Monday and Friday on Labor Day weekend. How did the players survive that? Well, they did because... First and foremost, unlike today, they weren't as big as today. There wasn't as much, uh, although it was very, very tough, it, it wasn't as much vicious hitting in practice. It just kind of showed me, even though uh, we were going to cut back as lake as we saw, you know, the, the mistakes made. But remember, and, and Ron can certainly testify to this, that Cash and Gary Pyle uh, with uh, Red Grange and Bronco Nagurski and the Bears, and back in the 30s and the 40s, Teams generally played twice a week. Right. Uh, it, it, it doesn't mean it was right, uh, but it, it was something I didn't particularly care for. And eventually, the second year, it was, until the league went under, it was cut out. But the feeling was, uh, the, and, and remember, the people that were running the league, the owners, were about the dumbest group of people I ever met. And not, most of them didn't have any money on top of it. What a what a combination that was. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. I want to ask you up then about a, a specific incident. I know you had a million fascinating things that happened there, but one that always struck me was uh, my great and good friend uh, John Matuzak was one of many NFL players to sign with the World League. But unlike a lot of them, he went AWOL on the Oilers and, and showed up in, in your league, and your team was going pretty well until he sacked your quarterback uh, and my recollection is he was served with a restraining order after that tackle and couldn't play anymore, and he held the paperwork up on the sidelines to show the fans. Were you glad to see him go or not? <laughs> not really. In fact, you know something? I met him years later when I was putting together a, uh, a TV show for Disney, and uh, this with, with a guy by the name of Howard Baldwin who owned the Hartford Whalers and is still, I believe, in the movie business. And In fact, he's made two or three pretty good movies, including... Uh, the one about the Indiana high school team that went all the way Hoosiers. Hoosier, but uh, Matuzak 
I was on the show with, with two other people. And, he was on your uh, quarterback, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that. But this was even better. He, he, he actually started to foam at the mouth in the middle of the show and threatened to kill me on it. And I said, this is the best ratings the show will ever get. But he was one of the crazy, <laughs> crazy people, I'm telling you. Pretty good player. Pretty good. Not great. We're with former NFL and WFL executive Upton Bell and a crazy, crazy guy himself. And Upton, quick question for you. Gary Davidson, you remember him? The original commissioner and founder of the WFL, the WHA, and the ABA. And was he ahead I'm, of his time, or was uh, he as incompetent? Far as, as far as I'm concerned, he belongs behind bars. That's <laughs> where he belongs. Uh, and I'm not kidding there, either. Don't uh, sugarcoat it, Upton. <laughs> the, 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 and, and, the re- and the reason is that he sold a bill of goods to different cities and left a lot of people uh, with no money in their pockets. The first, uh, I think, three or four months in there, I was one of the people who called for the guy to resign. And he did finally resign because I said, he's hurt the image of the league. He, he would go into a city. And, the, you know, the World Football League was a pretty good concept. I know we can get into this about the football part of it, but he would go into a city and pick a straw owner, most of them that didn't have any money, and then basically sell the city and the city fathers a bill of goods uh, to put up monies for stadiums and a lot of other things. And then he would run out of the city and uh, everybody would go broke, including the players. So to me, he's a guy that, that was, was really one of, the, one of the first people that uh, took P.T. Barnum seriously, which was there was a sucker in every born city. So, uh, and and, and it, you know what? We got him out too late. Because the guy that we brought in, a guy by the name of Chris Hemeter, who was today would be hailed uh, with a thing called the Hemeter Plan, which paid the players a percentage of the gate, plus, you know, whatever it was of their salary might be 10% of their salary, but the rest had to be part of the gate itself. So if you drew well, that player did better. If you didn't draw so well, he had his guarantee, and that was it. The league could have survived with that. But the damage had already been done, and it's too bad. But Davidson is, and, and there were other people, a gentleman in that league that got out, and, and I, I, I would swear today maybe some of them would have been prosecuted. So it, it's too bad because the concept was good. Often the, the WFL produced a number of NFL head coaches, including Jack Party, Lindy Infante, and Jim Fossil. Was that league better than it got credit for? I think it was the best of all the leagues. It wasn't from a financial standpoint, but Lindy and Fondy was my assistant coach. Also, remember Bob Gibson went to yeah. the Giants, and unfortunately, if it wasn't for one play where he called instead of a quarterback sneak, he called a handoff, and, and if you remember, Zonka fumbled, and, and the Giants lost the game, and they fired him, and it's too bad. But John McVay was another good coach in that league. Yeah. There was another guy by the name of Jack Goda of the Birmingham Stars. The coaching was tremendous, and I will tell you this. There were players in that league then, many of them, I think better than half of my team went right into the NFL, uh, and a lot of those players did. And today, you look at 32 teams, and I don't care how good and how much better the players have gotten, and they certainly have, a lot of them wouldn't have been as good as the players that played then. So the coaching techniques, I like the idea of the action point. Look at it now, they're talking about, why not just move the extra point back to the 50-yard line, for Christ's sake? Uh, you know, you're, you're gonna you're gonna get more guys hurt on the extra point than you are on anything else. And one of the things 
that we looked at and the coaches looked at, basically, and it was a coach-oriented league, was the action point. No extra point. You know, the extra point was the action point. You ran, ran or passed for it, and I think it added a terrific dimension to the game. So there were a lot of good coaches. There were a lot of good players. Uh, Gary Danielson, who played for Detroit how many years? Seven, eight years? He was our right. third-string quarterback. And I, I remember saying to Bob Gibson, who was my head coach, I said, the guy's got everything, except I'm not sure whether he has the real heart to be a, a, a great quarterback. And as a result, Brian Dowling, who you remember uh, played mm-hmm. here uh, uh, behind a couple of quarterbacks here, and, and also a guy by the name of Tom Sherman who played at Penn State, they beat him out. Wow. Uh, so there were a lot of good players. And, and of course, Pardee did one of the great coaching jobs. Uh, those guys never got paid, I think, almost for a full season. When we return, we'll resume our conversation with Upton Bell and hear from Ron Borges on why Buffalo's choice of quarterbacks, get this, is bogus. Not so bogus. Maybe smart. Or maybe bogus. Well, maybe bogus. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts and Car Quest. That's Advance Auto Parts and Car Quest. Great products, great people, and great prices. Hi, Tom Bodette trying out this Paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. The 2015 Cupera features plush leather seating that will feel to your hemorrhoids like sitting on lava-hot knitting needles. Not if you step up to relief with the power of two from Preparation H. First, use Preparation H medicated wipes to soothe as they clean. Then, Preparation H maximum strength cream to relieve pain and burning. Now, sink into that rich upholstery. Mmm, luxurious. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use as directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Hey! Flo here, and this is my impression of your neighbor who really likes to talk about the weather. Well, spring may not have a loyalty program, but Progressive sure does. And it's free. I know, right? Tell it to old man winter. Enough with the rain already. (laughs) But you're automatically enrolled when you sign up, so you don't even have to think about it. Not that you can think about anything in this humidity. (laughs) Rewarding you from the beginning with Progressive's loyalty program. It's no polar vortex. I can tell you that much. Where are you going? (laughs) Loyalty program not available in all states and situations. Cumulative benefits are limited. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, and MLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. We're back with Upton Bell, and Upton, want to thank you for sticking around with us because I know that Ron has at least one more question to ask you. So, Ron, go ahead. 
At one point, Upton, uh, as I recall, you did probably one of your greatest negotiating stints ever in your long history in pro football. After you had taken over the Stars, your uniforms were impounded due to an unpaid laundry bill in New York, even though I think you were in, already in Charlotte. How did yep. you get the uniforms back? Uh, well, the, the sheriff from the Dodge commercial actually had us <laughs> surrounded after the game and um, came in and, and took the uh, uniforms. And as a result, we weren't going to be able to play our next game. So I negotiated with the uh, sheriff and, and with Bob. If you remember, Bob Smurts was the one that originally owned the team, and he's right. the one that owned the bill and owned the, actually owned the Celtics at the same time. And I was able to negotiate to, to get them back in time for the next game. But, I mean, that, that wasn't my greatest. My greatest was talking to the judge in Florida for, for Pardee's team into letting them, uh, the, the judge... Because of, uh, I think Rami Lau was still one of the owners down there. The judge had said they can't come up and play us. And uh, we had sold the game out. Uh, I mean, they were leading the division. So, I mean, they put me live into the courtroom to negotiate with the judge. And I, um, <laughs> to, save, to save our skin, I agreed to pay their team their paychecks and the plane <laughs> fare to come up and pay us. And, and, and they did come up and play us, and they beat our ass. <laughs> and and uh, and after the game, Bob Davis, who was their quarterback and a wonderful player in that league, played at the University of Virginia. I don't know whether you guys remembered him or not. Came over and he said, "Thanks for the paycheck and for the plane." And I never saw him again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Upton, thanks for the time. Unfortunately, we're out of it, but we will see you again, especially if we have any unpaid bills. We'll give you a call. <laughs> Just remember, Jim Thorpe was a better commissioner than Gundel. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Upton. That was former NFL and WFL executive Upton Bell. And this, well, this is Ron Borges with his Borges or Bogus. That's right, segment. And, Ron, good luck following Upton Bell. My <laughs> Goodness, he was on fire. Anyway, I, I've been told that you're not pleased with what's going on up in Buffalo. You're never happy, Ron, so tell us what you're unhappy about now. Well, actually, uh, Clark, I may be happier than you might think because uh, the selection of Tyrod Taylor as the Bills quarterback is an, an unconventional move uh, right. by an unconventional coach. Uh, Rex Ryan had an open competition at quarterback this summer, and he actually picked the guy who played the best, not the guy who was drafted highest, not the guy with the most experience, even if it was mostly losing experience. He picked the guy who played the best, the guy who won the job. That's why the selection of someone who has never started an NFL game as leader of Ryan's offense, in my opinion, is far from bogus. It's unconventional, to be sure. To hand the keys to the fortunes of a defense-based team to a scrambling quarterback with the same NFL experience as you, Clark, you both watched NFL games for the past four years, uh, is, is to take a risk. Well, why not? Is it bogus to give him the job over veteran Matt Castle or former number one pick E.J. Manuel? No, it's bold. The belief in NFL circles is if you have a strong defense, as Buffalo does, you protect it with a low-risk offense, steady-handed quarterback. Why? How about the concept of, that Ryan favors, which is that your defense protects your offense? The Bills are not going to turn into a revival of the K-Gun. Whoever the quarterback is was not going to throw it around like Jim Kelly. It was just hope he wouldn't be Emmett Kelly, the circus clown. Of the three options available to Ryan, which one might put greater pressure on defenses? A lightning-quick runner and option thrower like Tyrod Taylor or the plotting Matt Castle or unseeing E.J. Manuel? Ryan's plan to use uh, running backs like Sean McCoy and Booby Dixon until their legs turn to jello and to throw only when necessary. 
Despite that, he has downfield weapons in Percy Arvin and uh, Sammy Watkins, a solid backup, a wide receiver in Robert Woods, a productive tight end in Charles Clay. His plan is for Taylor to run around, run the read option until his die rod snaps, pressuring the edges of defenses with uncertainty. The question Ryan faced was not, can Tyrod Taylor throw well enough to win in the NFL, something he never did in four years in Baltimore. The question was, would he opt for the safe mediocrity of Castle, whose record as a starter in 10 years is 33-38, and 38, including 23-33 and 33 since he left New England, and that phony 11-5 and a five year behind when he inherited an undefeated team and couldn't make the playoffs with him. Phony? What the heck? Phony. Undefeated team doesn't make the playoffs the next year. Or should he go with the ex-number one pick, Manuel? Six and eight is the starter, and often looks like a golf ball in tall weeds, like goose's balls. Lost. <laughs> with, a stout def- <laughs> with a stout defense and pounding running game, why go with proven losers? To me, that's bogus. Tyrod Taylor may not be the answer to a team that general manager Doug Whaley described last winter as in quarterback purgatory, but it's better to boldly, boldly ask, why not Tyrod, than to condemn the Bills to another season in Hades with guys who have already proven what the unproven Taylor has not, that they aren't good enough to win a summer competition for the starting job or enough NFL games to keep Ryan in a job. Hey, Ron, the way you're pumping up Tyrod Taylor here, it reminds me of another guy who fits that profile. Now, disregard the arrows. Who would you rather have at quarterback, Vince Evans or Tyrod Taylor? Well, didn't Vince er- Evans wear the silver and black? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think we have to go any further, do we? Oh, no. <laughs> Where's the music? Where is the music? There it is. (laughs) Ron, he did so during a strike season, as I recall. Yes, he did. He was a scapster. What are you going to (laughs) do? So that that makes it tough on a guy like me. But uh, look, I'm not not here advocating for Tyron Taylor uh, as as some great NFL quarterback. What I'm saying is he won the competition. You said it was an open competition, and he played the best. So if he played the best, he should get the job, number one. And number two, the other two guys, losers. This guy may be a loser too, but we don't know that. The other guys have already proven it. Put in the tie rod to see if it rolls. So I got wrong information. Apparently you are happy, rarely happy. But here's what I I don't understand. Doesn't Rex Ryan essentially have the same problem in Buffalo he had in the Jets? He doesn't have a quarterback. He's got a defense. He's got no quarterback. Well, maybe not. We're going to find out. But he certainly didn't have one if you put in Matt Castle or you're just a plotting guy who'll find a way to throw a pick to kill you. Uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor, if nothing else, is going to run around and for a while in this league make defensive coordinators sweat. Now, he may make Rex sweat, too. We'll find out. Hey, by the way, Goose, he called your Kansas City Chiefs, the team that won the division title with Matt Castle, he called that bogus. 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 Oh. Brutal. I would agree. Anyway, I would agree. I would agree with them. There you go, loser. <laughs> That's the signal that we're almost out of time. So let's get to the two-minute drill. I ask Rick and Ron answers, you know, and Derek Burns, our producer, runs the clock. So guys, let's get going. Where do we see RG three quarterback in next? Buffalo. When you're quarterback purgatory, you take chances on retreads. <laughs> Agreed. I have no idea, but Buffalo might be a thought. Brandon Marshall says Darrell Revis is the best cornerback of all time. Who's your nominee? Revis Island, please. Give me Night Train Lane, Neon Dean, or Lester the Molester. The better the nickname, the better the player. Ugh. Mike Haynes. He was Dion without the neon or the noise. No nickname. Over under on Sam Bradford games this season. Ten. Under whatever number Chip Kelly hopes for, which is 16. 
Michael Vick and the Steelers, like it or loathe it? Like it. Steelers now have two quarterbacks who have been to conference title games. Like it. Doesn't matter to me where he carries a clipboard. Is Ryan Mallett this year's fantasy sleeper? Uh, don't look for a Spartan to give up the starting job. Mallett would be a wasted fantasy pick. <laughs> Clarky, if you think he's your sleeper, that's a fantasy. Marshawn Lynch faces a substantial fine if he doesn't speak to the media. So what are his first words? To quote Todd Rundgren, hello, it's me. <laughs> Thank you. His first words, Skittles. <laughs> better season, Eli or Peyton Manning? Peyton wins more games. Eli has better stats. Peyton, with that defense, he could play like Eli and still win. The trailers for the movie Concussion ran this week. Your impression? If I'm the NFL, my lawyers are on alert. <laughs> I'm glad to see that the right man, Dr. Bennett Amalo, is finally getting some credit for all he's done to help NFL players. Hey, guys, my father-in-law is a Giants fan. So can you give him one reason to look forward to the season? Vector Cruz and Odell Beckham Jr. may, may be the best pairing in football. I can give him a good reason, Clarky. He only has to watch him 16 times. Which Bay Area team wins more, the 49ers or Ron's Raiders? The Raiders. They have a better quarterback. He got one right. The Raiders. What are you kidding? If Dick Stanfield can get three cracks at the hall as a senior, when does Jerry Kramer get a sniff? Jerry's already had 10 sniffs. <laughs> yeah, he has had 10 sniffs, and unfortunately the committee said, you stink. <laughs> He just didn't get in. I'm starting a Hall of Fame for training camps. What's your first inductee? Latrobe. Steelers been going there for 50 years. Something's working right. Well, El Rancho Tropicana, Santa Rosa, California. Sea Breezes, Wine Country, Raider Nation, Hotel Room Service. Can't beat it. If it's time, as Rich McKay says for the NFL to take another look at gloves, how does Ron stay warm at home games this fall? Ron's okay. He's wearing hockey gloves. <laughs> there you go. To get the gloves, reinstall the clothesline and the downfield chuck, and it won't matter what they're wearing on their hands. <laughs> We'd like to thank Calvin Hill, Tony Adams, and Upton Bell for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you want to listen to this or any podcast, go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or join us on iTunes. Otherwise, listen to this station at this time next week. We'll catch you then. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. I've developed, launched, and marketed over 400 products. Applying for a traditional loan is frustrating. There's paperwork, references, tax forms. You wait weeks for an answer, and you may not get the funds. There's a new way to get funding without the hassle. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Here's how it works. Go to Cabbage.com, fill out the online application. It takes minutes to complete, and you'll get a decision with none of the waiting. You could have immediate access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No fees of any kind to set up your line, and you don't pay a cent until you take a loan. It's helpful for a business to have security and flexibility. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. It's provided funds to over 50,000 businesses and has been named one of Forbes' top 100 companies twice in a row. So check out Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE, the number one online provider of small business loans.